0: centerlefttalkradio.com. When you get there, I say on air and online, I, I guess the, the equivalent of that, the digital equivalent of that, is, uh, is contained within the two links you will encounter when you go to uh, the homepage of our website. Uh, right below that lovely picture of the microphone that I'm currently talking on are two links. The first is our podcast feed, that that i guess is that's online i guess it's not on air but but i guess the closest thing to online and it's still digital would be the second link and that's the link to what we call our radio loop it is exactly what it sounds like. It is a uh, a loop of the show running on a separate computer here in the studio, and it runs in a loop. Uh, you can be listening to the show. You may be listening to it as a podcast, which would, again, be the equivalent of uh, uh, online, I guess. And or you might be listening to it as a radio loop, which is kind of like on air in that... Even though you have to hit a link to get to it, it's what it sort of replicates what happens when you flick the dial on your radio, as you may have, uh, in your 62 Chevy, with your arm around your best girl back in the day, maybe a 59 or 58-something or other, with a cheater on the wheel to really keep your right arm free. Uh, and whatever you turned on was, well, probably if it was a talk show. Chances are if you had a cheater, you weren't going for talk radio. You were going for music. But if you went, if you happen to go for, for talk... Uh, what What you got was the show in the middle of the show. Anything that you turned on was at whatever point it was. And we're that way here with our radio loop here with Center Left Radio. You get it wherever it is. Listen to it. Get into it. Enjoy it. Hang out, get to the end of it, and say, gee, I wonder how that started. Well, you're in luck because within, I don't know, three or four seconds of it ending, it starts over again. And find out what you missed. Either way, we're glad to have you as either a podcast downloader or a radio loop diver into-er. Welcome to the show. It is Friday, the third of February. We made it past Groundhog Day with a mixed uh, understanding. Those of us here in the Northeast, uh, Puxatony Phil said there was going to be six more weeks of winter. Uh, the uh, his his upstart rival, uh, Staten Island—I I don't know what to, there's a there's a there's a groundhog somewhere in a zoo in Staten Island—said uh, the opposite. Now, given, depending on how you like to uh, measure these things, uh, we are, for the next day or so, in fact, starting right now, we are finally going to experience what we haven't experienced from, uh, since uh, I guess around Christmas time here in this part of the Northeast anyway, here in the uh, New York City region, up into the lower Hudson Valley region. We're 25, 30 miles away from Manhattan here, straight up the Hudson we're going to have uh, very cold temperatures. They're, they're kind of starting to fall into place now. And we're going to be well below freezing with wind chills well below zero uh, tomorrow morning. And uh, we might, uh, if, you, if you wanted to take the negative version of the groundhog story, yep, that would be the indicator. The problem with going that route, though, Route route is that uh, if you look at the weather report uh, for next week here in the region, we're back up in the 50s every day all over again. So uh, if if you're if you're a fan of negative reports, well then. Uh, rest your laurels or, or, or bank on the next oh, 36 to 48 hours here in the New York area. And try not to pull back and see the larger picture because uh, it would look as though we're practically in spring already around here. But we've got to get through uh, one heck of an Arctic blast between now and the next time it feels moderately spring-like. I'm also uh, pleased to tell you that uh, we will have David Bach back on the show with us this morning. David will be coming in during our second segment, and uh, as always, uh, his insights and his information uh, is something that many of you have, uh, have come to appreciate and enjoy. So it's Friday with David as my co-host once again, and uh, we'll be getting to him in a bit. Um, thoughts? And, and, and one in particular uh, has been brewing, I mean, okay, th- I have, like most people anywhere on the democratic spectrum, been feeling uh, somewhat uncomfortable, mixed with uh, snickering, mixed with concern, mixed with ho-humming about the performance thus far of the Republicans in the House of Representatives under the, dare I use the term, leadership of Kevin McCarthy. Kevin is, well, why don't I start right there? Um, Put Nancy Pelosi and Kevin McCarthy side by side. He's a lot taller and he's male. That's probably, if you want to count those as Pluses and advantages, and he's younger, by the way. That's kind of the 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 the, the, the realm within which you have to look. That's where you have to... You're, you're digging pretty damn far down. You're you're really ignoring all of the substantial things, the substantives that go into being a speaker of the House of Representatives. If you want to try comparing. McCarthy in a in a positive way, give give him higher marks in any way, shape, or form uh, versus uh, his predecessor Nancy Pelosi. Uh, McCarthy is um, is is a clown. I'm I, I'm sorry, Kevin. You know uh, you, you'll have you'll have to deal with that. Uh, the the biggest problem here is that it becomes more apparent every day how little he is capable of doing because of the fact that he has essentially mortgaged away any power that might otherwise be inherent in the position. Anything that he could have done to basically rally his, 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 uh, his caucus and bring them into line for a particular position or vote that he felt was good for his caucus good for I would hope good for the country good for their for their voting prospects going forward good in every political and in national sense everything that he would be able or would need in the way of the equipment the the uh the powers of the office of the speaker he has essentially given away he has bartered he has essentially taken anything resembling the power of the um of the Speaker of the House, traded it off for the votes to simply become the Speaker of the House with absolutely no real ability to do anything as speaker. He's sitting back, watching, counting, I'm sure there are people who are reminding him of, here's what you gave me, here's what you promised, and remember, we have a rule here that basically anyone in your caucus can raise their hand at any point and make a motion to essentially have you vacate the chair, and then a vote would be taken. And assuming all Republicans could hang together, you would have a majority of the House by about three people or something like that, and you'd be gone, Kevin. And guess what, America? We'd have to go through this entire insanity of re-electing a speaker at that point, and we'd have to do it all over again. And, and, And that's the simple reality of where things stand with Kevin McCarthy, but... But things are, are are getting even more uh, serious than that. It's the issue of the debt ceiling that is uh, becoming it, it's it's popping up in the news more and more of late. Uh, keep in mind that with the agreements that were made and, and, the, and the moves that were made to rejuggle the cash in the economy uh, by the uh, Federal Reserve, uh, we have until sometime in early June to raise the debt ceiling, in essence to, to assure that there's enough money to pay the bills for the goods and services procured by the U.S. government that have already been procured. In other words, spent money, and now, you know, the the, the credit card bill comes in and you've got to pay it. If you don't pay it, well, then this begins to affect your credit. The United States is no different, except all of that happens on a massively larger scale. And the Republicans, it appears, basic, well, it doesn't appear, we know that the threats from the get-go have been, we're not going to raise the debt ceiling unless the Democrats make substantial concessions in spending, blah, 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 you have to cut back, you have to do this, whatever. And the, uh, there, there was a, um, a summit of sorts, I, I don't know, you can't call it that, there was, but there was a meeting, it was the first meeting. Uh, between uh McCarthy as speaker and Joe Biden I think it was uh it might have been either earlier this week or late last week no it was this week and the question was posed according to Biden the the, the question was posed to McCarthy okay um, you guys are saying that you want government to spend less I mean and that's a that's an An admirable uh, thing. We, we, our budgets. You know, under under uh, under Donald, uh, we had the largest single uh, increase in the national debt uh, of any president uh, in the history of the country. Something like eight trillion dollars. so I can understand, and and you're talking about cutting the military, and you keep talking about uh, cutting Medicare and Medicaid, and then the next day you say you're not, and then you keep talking about getting rid of all sorts of different social programs. Well, Kevin, uh, you know, you, you seem like a reasonably intelligent guy, and I've been around long enough to know that you don't negotiate against yourself. When it comes, especially in Washington, when it comes to matters of, of budgeting, of, of, of just how things are, are spent and everything else. So, so I think a reasonable thing, says Joe, Kevin, would be if you told me right now or gave me at least a, in, in broad strokes even, here is what the budget, here's the budget you and your conference would like to see. Tell me, you say you want to save money, okay, put down in writing so that we can begin to negotiate as this process has, has gone on uh, since time immemorial, certainly in terms of the existence of the United States, tell me how you want to see the budget come out. Give me numbers. Show me where you're going to cut. Show me where you might want to add. Show me what you might want to eliminate. Go through the whole thing with me. Give me something. Give me the straw man, because you're the one that's claiming there has to be, uh, I don't want to use the word because I know your people get offended, but you're the one that's saying there have to be radical changes to our budget in order for your your constituents, for your your, uh, uh, conference... To feel comfortable voting for it, okay. I, I I recognize that people say a lot of things, but the rational way, the typical way this is done, is to present something to me. So, do you have anything? Uh, do you happen to have something in your pocket? Do you do you have some outlines, some notes, Kevin? Kevin, show me. Tell me. Give me even. Give me even a top line number. What is the number that you're going? Can you show me anything? <laughs> No, Kevin has nothing. Had nothing to show Joe Biden. No top line number. No breakdown by specific area. No uh, no no uh, uh, social spending. No mandatory. No 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 limits within Medicare, Medicaid. No government pro or maybe get rid of woke programs in the military that that might be that that should be worth a few trillion dollars i guess um kevin had nothing and when he came back and i saw this uh on the media yesterday and today he was questioned about what was the process that would have to take place in order for there to be some kind of an agreement that would prevent that would prevent the government defaulting. The Republican Party will never... We are absolutely committed to the strength and the positive... He said all the words. Uh, Kevin's good at this. Kevin's good at um, what I call uh, r- sort of almost a... Um, an excessive version of Swift boating, the old Carl Rove thing. He in Swift boating, you basically accuse your opponent of your worst fault. And I and, and there's another version of that where you take on the language and the aegis of your opponent's best qualities. So Kevin knows how to talk as though Republicans are only in it for the good of the country, for the fiscal responsibility that's required. They're only there to exercise those things which are required to keep America sound and functional. All of these things that every action they're taking belies. They're doing the exact Opposite. So, I, I, I've I've gotten used to hearing that. I, again, I call this let's call it reverse swift voting uh, I, I, Maybe there's a better term, and I'll come up with it at some point. But as, like I say, on the one hand, you can it, you could take your worst qualities and dump them on your opponent, and and the de- and the Republicans do that in terms typically of extremism and everything else. And I okay, that's. That's permissible political uh, speech, I suppose. There are extreme things in both parties. The extremism within Trumpism and the Trump control of the Republican Party is, I think, by any objective standard, infinitely more than any extremism that may be within the Democratic ranks. Uh, Much of that played out yesterday yesterday. In the, uh, in the reactions and the comments of Ilan Omar to her being kicked off a committee and she ticked off a number of things that were extreme about Republicans. I will not get into this. I would only advise you go back and, and look at footage from yesterday. Look at the Ilan Omar uh, comments from the floor of the House yesterday. Yeah, she's, she's made her mistakes. She said things that perhaps shouldn't have been said in the way she said them. I do not believe she is an enemy of Israel, and she has never called for its decline, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Everybody playing politics with that. But Kevin, back to Kevin, doesn't seem to have the ability to define what it is the Republicans want in a budget this is problematic if you can't say what the number is if you can't even go in to a negotiation and we're well remember we're living in a in a in a in a manufactured state of solvency right now which basically has required the federal reserve to move funds around to what to cover us past what have, what would have been a default date in January and now because of the way these funds are being jiggered, we're good until early June. So we're not, you know, in an early negotiation process here. We're basically uh, with the clock ticking, the, the hourglass has been tipped and Dorothy is sitting there crying and saying, oh my God, the witch is going to get me. That's, that's where things are right now. And I and I've heard this point made on on more than one uh, cable news outlet. Uh, one of them, not necessarily uh, one of them, was not a, uh, a your standard uh, liberal or what the what the of course what the what the Republicans would call lib uh, information uh, source. That McCarthy basically is not able. To come up with a number, and 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 that's a very frightening thing because any number that he would come up with would be immediately countered by a demand within the the WACO, the wacko conference those eighteen or so people in the extreme 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 end of of sanity, uh, well. They're, I think they're well over the line. You know the 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 uh, the, uh, the Marjorie Taylor Greens and the Gosha all those all those clowns. They would instantly come back and say, "No, we need more." So anything that he would say would ultimately be countered by a more extreme statement. So if he's going to say a number in public, it's going to have to be a really really a uh, high number, much higher than than maybe his conference even would want to say, because his conference, the crazies, the ones who have extracted most of the, you know, all of his flesh and all of his soul out of him just to be voted in, will, will knock this number down exceptionally. But if he goes in too high, then they'll be yelling and screaming against him instantly. If he goes in too low then he knows he can't possibly uh, get a reasonable vote out of the democrats he will he is in a he has put himself in a position where the where the crazies in his conference want blood no matter what and the more important thing to them clearly is sticking it to the libs the the full faith and credit of the United States is a secondary issue. These people are feeling their own power. They're feeling their own oats. They feel omnipotent. They feel sort of untouchable. They, they feel clothed and, 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 and embraced by the whole notion of Trumpism and the fact that Donald is still out there running loose and running free and that that's the only way I can I can figure this because there seems to be nothing that they're willing to say publicly or otherwise that suggests what the hell it is in terms of numbers and budgets that they're actually trying to get it, so the budget is not about numbers it's about ideas it's it's about it's about promoting a concept of the Democrats are overspenders and no matter what the budget comes out to be, even if you give us what we want, we're going to want more. And, and, and that's the way it went with the vote for Kevin. Do you recall that? There was a point at which even, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, not, not Gosart. Um, the other Crazy, the one with the, uh, the, the child porn thing going case, I don't know whether it's going to happen or not. Uh, uh, he, he got on air, and I think he didn't mean to say this, uh, but they said, well, you know, some reporter asked, well, what else do you want? Um, and, and the answer was, I'm not sure what else there is to ask. Uh, uh, Kevin gave the shop away. And in the end, they still wouldn't vote for him. They simply would not vote against him. I, I, how, did, how did they express their votes? It was, an, it was not present or something, or I, I forget how they, they did it. But it still wasn't a positive vote for Kevin in the end. And, and it, it, it was all for show. Fourteen votes. finally on a 15th, he becomes the speaker. But the important thing there was not to ultimately support him, it was to show how much strength they had in opposing him. Now, it's one thing when this is a vote to create a speaker, okay? It's a whole other thing when we're talking about paying the bills of the largest economy on the planet and maintaining full faith and credit in the economic strength of the United States. When you don't have any idea or, or when the actual numbers are secondary in your mind to your ability to project your uh, your your anger your 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 bitterness your your sticking it to the libs your your superiority your whatever it is that the red meat base seems to want out of you when that supersedes all else to the point where you can't even see the normal political machinations behind this. You know, oh, he's just doing that for the time being because, you know, really, it's just a negotiating ploy. No, it's not a negotiating ploy. That's the scary part with these people. They are actually seeing this as the ultimate expression of their power. They are talking about this stuff as though... It's an end in itself, basically, to get the point across that the libs are bad and that the money can't be spent. You don't even need to actually talk about a dollar figure when you are against the budget in the way these people think about it. It's not important that I tell you how much money I want To actually spend, it's not important that I tell you what to cut out of what program. No, all that counts is that I talk again and again and again about the fact that government spends too much, the libs are bad, and I'm willing to take that to a a huge extent. And if it means, and, and hopefully, and in fact, it probably will mean, that when some rational number is finally presented by, by uh, I mean, at some point, okay, Kevin is going to be forced to come up with a number. He, he can't not have a number. But whatever number he gives will ultimately be too much and could lead to his dismissal or a request for a vacation vacating the chair. That could come immediately because that would be another indication to the red meat base that no amount of money, that Kevin has <laughs> just done this wrong. And now we go into the next phase, which would be having to re-elect a new, more we're going to have to vote on the Speaker. If you go and you make that motion, just again, because red meat people would like that, then we're going to have to go through the whole process of a Speaker and do that in the middle of trying to have a budget negotiation that prevents the United States from defaulting on its debt. But but it it gets better. It gets better. If if the United States gets to a point where it defaults on its debt, the markets will begin to crash. The markets will basically, well, depending on how far McCarthy goes, and I think we're gonna we're gonna know this in the next week or two, depending on, on how spineless McCarthy is, depending on if if in other words, if if what he is right now, if his position, if his reverse uh, swift boating, you know, saying wonderful, we're great, we're all for it, we're we're and, and that, then his actions are are diametrically opposed to that. If that continues with no evidence of substantive numbers or any, anything that can be negotiated against appearing, if it keeps going that way, then you are going to see markets begin to react and factor in the possibility of a default. There, there's nowhere else for them to go. If that happens, the markets basically could tank out rather rapidly. We could have a huge, huge uh, problem within the economy, and it could lead because simply because no one will know what else to do. There's no. How do we get out of this, Kevin? Uh, wait, wait. We already got rid of Kevin. Oh, we can't. How do we? How do we somehow have and not have a solution to the bud the budget issue? Uh, how do we? How do we pretend it's not really numbers that we're playing with, that we're simply doing this out of... How do we have the libs and still manage to have a country that's solvent? Come on, there's got to be a way to do this. There there is. It's called budget negotiations. Now, if, 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 if it gets far enough along in the next week or two where it's obvious that McCarthy can't move... And, and, and the realization is there that he's not a leader, that he has no power, and people are basically just talking about uh, making, making their points with the masses and not really acting as though they recognize the severity of what's going on. There is a, pr- now remember, McCarthy will not be able to even then bring a vote to the floor on any budget. There has to be a vote on this, okay? And, and and he's afraid that no matter what number he comes up with, basically it's going to be sh- either shot down instantly in a vote or it will lead to a call for him to vacate the chair by one of the members of the Republican caucus, putting him in a completely untenable situation because becoming Speaker was the goal of his life and that's all he ever wanted. And now he's Speaker and, oh my God, I would be giving it up within a week or... You know, this guy ain't nancy okay and, and but he's in a he's in a bad bad way there is a procedure to force a vote onto the floor to f- at least force some kind of a vote to go past mccarthy's control and get a vote out there that would still require it would maybe if, if if the if the if the, uh, the democrats could introduce this And it would include uh, their budget, their, their idea of a budget. But even if the Democrats stayed in lockstep, it would still require several Republicans to come on board in order to put it across the line. But at least there would be a bill to vote on. Everything I'm seeing in McCarthy's reactions and how he's performing right now suggests... That he's putting himself in a position where he can't bring anything to the floor for fear that it's going to basically either be ridiculous and and that it can be portrayed as insane by the Democrats instantaneously because it's just an excessive cutting of everything. Then, of course, there'll be the popular reaction to people if they're trying to cut Medicare and Medicaid. He says no on one day, yes on another. Military, all these things that could really be third rails for Republicans. Or if it's too rich a budget, he will instantaneously get a vote, a motion to vote vacate, coming from one of his members. This is what happens when you have no capacity to control your caucus. This is what happens when the speaker is nothing more than the sum of the parts of everybody in his caucus and is simply scattered around all over the place, running helter skelter, trying to to appease everybody, not control, not generate consensus, not pulling people together, appeasing, appeasing, appeasing. And of course, ultimately, his appeasement process has to be directed to the most extreme elements within his group, and that's where he's winding up. Once this becomes fixed in the mind of the markets, once it becomes apparent, that McCarthy has no way to actually generate anything like a negotiable position on a budget. That's when a couple of things could happen, and they could happen relatively quickly. Now, this is me thinking through this. I, and we, we, we you know, if you have a 401k... And you see the possibility, of that, and you see the the likelihood that there can be no negotiation, and this thing is just going to start drifting forward towards June, and no one's budging. That it's really crazy. You'll it'll start as a trickle, but what you'll see people doing is converting their stocks into cash in four hundred one ks in in corporate in in you know in in in. Uh, your uh, your 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 business 401k your essentially the your employment related retirement funds trillions of dollars tied up in there and the 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 advice that's constantly given by all of the big uh, the big firms handling these things is and it's generally true that you can ride these things out the the nature of the economy is such that there are peaks and valleys. You can see it over a period of time. Calculate when you want to retire. Calculate when you think you're going to need this money. And recognize, look historically, when the peaks and valleys have taken place. And and, and gauge accordingly. The market always ultimately winds up going higher. Doesn't it? But no one has ever used the actual default of the government as not just a bargaining chip. It's talked about in the beginning. Rationally, all all politicians know that that is a third rail and that things can go off the rails quickly. But I, in my lifetime, have never seen this weak a speaker and this toxically insane a group within the Congress that has the control of the entire Congress. It is it is basically a microcosm of the Republican Party and the Republican uh, primary system, if you will. This micro, this small group of extreme, extreme people who invariably wind up having the power to push forward the candidates and the positions of the party simply because they are the activists. The crazies within the Republican Party are the mo- well, the, the people who are most committed to the party are the ones who basically are the most active. I don't care which party we're talking. But in the case of the Republicans, in the extremist mode they're in, it's the crazies who were willing to to get rid of anything, do anything, blow up anything? You know, uh, I don't care. I don't care if I have to cut off my nose. I don't have to cut off my arm to spite my body. I know. I know. I wanna. I, I know. I wanna be safe. I don't want to have someone shooting me. I know that I don't wanna. I know that maybe my yeah, you know, my daughter might need an abortion, to my wife. Or, I know all that, but I don't wanna give an inch to the libs. So we're gonna basically cut off our noses to spite our faces. And this is how they vote. This is why Donald still has a, an edge over all the other lackluster Republican potential candidates for president. Uh, Dickie Haley will be coming out officially very shortly. After that, of course, Ron DeSantis, probably Mike Pence. You're going to probably see, uh, oh, I don't know, uh, uh, Pompeo will probably throw his, his hat in or something. Who, who the hell knows? but it but the dynamic is still there and that same dynamic is what's basically going to ultimately bring you back to a Trump as the most nominatable person it's 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 a weird dynamic it's the same dynamic that basically is not allowing any rational movement to take place in terms of developing uh, a realistic budget that can be negotiated between the White House and the House. It's, it's, if, if, if Kevin can't do something, if Kevin is afraid to do anything, and if people suddenly begin, if the markets begin feeling and recognizing, if, if, if individuals in this country begin to feel that there really is an impasse of such a nature that we are moving towards a default, this would be a first. Yeah, there have been, you know, uh, the budget, yeah, yeah, the, the budget ceiling and everything, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you get to a certain point, and that's, and okay. But it's never this sense that the whole thing could collapse. That there might actually be no way to reach consensus. And in the end, the only solution is to default because we don't, I mean, it sounds crazy to even say it. You see, if, that, if the sense of the irrationality of this really starts to trickle into common parlance, if conversations start getting this way, Republicans and Democrats both, and suddenly you realize that your money is at risk, really at risk, not just to go down and up with the market, but that if there is actually movement towards a true default, This could reposition the United States in view of international markets in a way that would turn it into a pariah, that it would not be able to get beyond this for quite some time. The full faith and credit in the United States would wind up being foolhardy. And that's where this could go. And that's what happens when you have people who basically are just swollen with their own importance and their own madness, and there is no check or balance on them, and there's no adult in the room capable of taking them on. And so I I, I would simply advise anyone at this point, keep an eye on what is going on with the budget the non-negotiations for the time being, but watch McCarthy carefully and listen to what's being said because a lot of people are starting to do this. It's, it's, it's getting to be more, more iffy and touchy than at any time I can recall in my lifetime. I've never seen a situation quite like this and especially juxtaposed after the incredibly successful speakership of Nancy Pelosi. McCarthy's failures and his inabilities are so so magnified and and so much more apparent coming from, uh, as they now feed into and become part of or are compared to his immediate predecessor the the nature of the of the committee work and, and and the investigate we want to do we're going to do hunter we're going to we're going to investigate the military we're going to we're going to do nothing but spend our time talking about uh, uh, money that was overspent on covid but, but, and and uh, the, the, and what are the markets to do to this how are the markets to react to this what where do we go from this i i don't know i i i do know That McCarthy is showing all signs of being a very short-lived speaker. But the trouble is if he's going to be a short-lived speaker, one can only hope he is removed in the very near future. And that some kind of a Rational process seems to be uh, exu- you know, asserting itself within the more comparatively rational ranks of the Republicans in the House. So that this sense that we're, we're, we're racing headlong and for a cliff and on the other side of it is default, that gets out of the, the sentiment of the country. But it's going to be more and more out there um, if things don't change in a significant way and in a positive way, not just by adopting, you know, not just by uh, reverse uh, uh, you know, uh, swift boating, uh, taking on the language, saying the words, because they're so empty in light of the complete absence of substantive action on the part of speaker Kevin McCarthy. Oh, dear. But it's true, and uh, keep up with it, folks. <laughs> you know, this, we, we live in interesting times, as uh, as they say. We'll, we're going to have even more interesting stuff coming very shortly because David's going to be with us. Why don't we take why don't we take a break right now? Uh, and of course, this being a Friday, this being any center left radio show, we're going to do it with a little jazz. Thank you Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know. We all know. We can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Central Left Radio, thank you. You're listening to Central Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. And you're listening to us on the web at www.centraleftalkradio. One word centerlefttalkradio.com. Yes, as promised. Yes, well, I didn't promise it was Friday. If Friday it is. Uh, I can't, my promising doesn't change that one way or the other. But what I did promise and that I'm glad to be able to deliver on today is uh, my co-host, my Friday co-host is there, which gives me the opportunity to say and then step back after having said, David, what's on your mind?
1: Uh, well, there's a decent amount. Um, if you want to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter at, uh, faces ideas new. Um, but look, here's the, the thing. We're heading into the area where it's now starting to wrap up. We're going to start seeing some bills enter the floor. We're going to start seeing some hearings and stuff happening. Uh, so we'll we'll start to actually have things to talk about. Most of it's kind of been just ramping up of government and
0: yeah. and, yeah.
1: and things. Yeah. Um uh, George Santos has uh, stepped down from his committees. There's no word whether Anthony DeVolder has also stepped down. Um, so there's that. Um, we also have some of the oversight committees. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene got the spotlight and made a clown of herself because she's a clown. That's always, um, always,
0: always, always consoling to know that people can be consistent. That's always a good thing, I suppose, you know. Yeah, it's,
1: uh, you know, she was the she was talking about somebody who's overseeing club funds, asking about, uh, in it, she said that one school in Ohio or Iowa or something got like $5 billion to teach
0: CRT. <laughs> um, and. Yeah, good, 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 it, good for you, Marjorie, yeah. Oh, man. it's it's just ridiculous.
1: Um look the Ilhan Omar vote happened too. Um just I look do you wanna kick her off because you said she did anti Semitic stuff? Fine, just be consistent. Then you also should remove Marjorie Taylor Green, Gosar, um every every Republican who has used George Soros as a boogeyman and you should call for um Rand Paul to be removed as well because he single handedly held up Israeli aid for six months and nobody said it
0: yeah yeah I, I also and I and I think that uh, who was it that yesterday said something like fine uh, if you want to if you want to complain or anything else I don't think that anyone like anyone who was for the insurrection uh, uh, against the United States should be allowed to head up or be on any committee uh, someone on the Democratic side said that I forget who it was and I was rather proud um, of them for saying it
1: I, I don't know. I think also Nikki Haley is supposed to jump into the race next week.
0: Yeah, she's um, she's 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 talking about having an event. I think next Wednesday is what she's saying right now. Uh, that's that's going to be irrelevant. Um, Nikki Haley has no
1: shot at being president. She's basically trying to be the vice president.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: She she's basically flip flopped on every position she has. Um, Trump's going to call her like Pocahontas 2.0, and then it'll be over. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Do you, do you think from where you're sitting, do you think Marjorie Taylor Greene would have a shot at being a Trump vice presidential run?
1: Maybe, I guess it depends on where he's lagging. Um, it's, it's, it's all over the place. Um,
0: yeah, that's it. It's
1: all over the damn place. I think really, it depends on how much news, how, uh, how much of a, a joke Roger Taylor been has been? How effective Congress has been? Yeah. Um, at that point, point. Um, and also like Carrie Lake is still there, uh, flipping around doing crazy stuff in in uh, Arizona. Yeah. Although I think they just opened an investigation into her. Um, so depending on what happens there, she's always a strong uh, a strong choice. Um, although if I was DeSantis, that would be who I would pick. Um, because that would cut off the head of basically your biggest rival. I, I uh,
0: as I, you know, over the course of the last several weeks, uh, I, I have found myself. I, I maybe this is wishful thinking in my part. I found myself saying again and again that Trump will find a way not to run. Not that the Republicans would find a way to keep him out, but that he himself would find a reason not to run. And I'm becoming less and less convinced of that position because it seems that the dynamics that were in play in 2016 are almost the identical dynamics within the party, within the, within the primary voting blocks that are out there. And that the way things are set up right now, Donald looks like, I don't know how they don't get him in there. It looks like a whole bunch of people are going to be coming in. They'll basically crowd the field. And in the end, with a plurality, he winds up taking the, uh, the, the votes in every state that all the major States, do you see that? Or do you see another, another option right now for Republicans?
1: Well, I see the DOJ and that he's under investigation. Uh, The FBI just went into one of Biden's homes for documents and didn't find anything else. Of course. Um, And at some point, I think we're going to get something out of the the Georgia, the charges from the Georgia case and from uh, Jack Smith. So uh, unless they're willing to back a Netanyahu-like presidency uh, where he's basically like saying, yeah, I'm above the rule of law and I don't want to, and my party's going to back that, I don't see him doing it. Um, I think him being the nominee would... Basically guarantee that they're going to lose. Unless he's running against like Kamala Harris. Yeah. Um because it's it's he's deeply unpopular Uh other than twenty sixteen Trumpism has lost essentially every single election. Um they basically won the House this year because of Sean Patrick Maloney's inability to to uh fundraise properly uh, probably Canada. Yeah,
0: New, New York, New York lost the house for us this year. That, that it's fascinating when you think about this. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then, uh, so it's
1: not like they were overly popular. Um, they don't have popular policies, speaking of which they, we still aren't entirely sure what they're talking about for the debt ceiling. Although we do have military budget fine. Let's, let's start with it. Half. Um, they're not going to do that. They're talking about doing work requirements for Social Security, um, which kind of defeats the purpose of Social Security. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, I, so I, I The first half of the show today, I was doing on this whole budget situation. And from where I'm sitting, there is no number that uh, Kevin can come up with that would either not be utterly out of the water, blown out of the water by the Democrats or maybe made to sound ridiculous or garner him a a vote to vacate the chair from some member of the Republican caucus. He, He has no place that he can go. He will either be too high or too low for someone and it, it presents this weird situation where it's almost a fait accompli that you're not going to be able to come to a to a budget situation and therefore not be able to actually raise the debt ceiling because McCarthy doesn't is not able to bring a bill to the floor. I mean that's what I'm seeing right now. Does that sound like a, a scenario to you, or am I am I being far too uh, you know draconian or, or far too uh, negative here? Uh.
1: I, I I don't know. It's probably because they don't actually have any policy issues, and the thing they're doing this is, is
0: to cut Social Security and Medicare. Yeah, 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 yeah. Although McCarthy, every other day, or no, not every other day, but I've heard him say already, and he said it on air during some some uh, you know some Q and A session. Uh, no, no, uh, 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 Medicare and Medicaid are definitely uh, off the table. We're not going to touch that. But then you listen to him the next day, and he's saying it again. It, it's it's weird, you know.
1: But, yeah, because it's what they want. Um, they, they're going to cut it, but they know how deeply, fundamentally unpopular it is. Um,
0: but then why would they want to cut it? it? See,
1: this is what I can't figure out. Because if you cut it, you force people to work longer. And that's the goal, is to make people work as wage slaves until they die. So that the wealthy can get wealthier.
0: but that's, that's literally what it is. But 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 somehow that 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 is such an insanely unpopular way of approaching this. I mean, is, is it po- is it possible that someone within the Republican Party has actually manufactured what you just said? Exactly what you just said, because that is the result. And hey, guys, this will be a positive for us on the campaign trail. Isn't that how they have to do it? Or otherwise, why would you do it? And for whose benefit? The the, the
1: wealthies. and because it's the uh, they don't they don't actually care about polling and stuff. To them, popularity is who can get the most libs riled up on Twitter, yeah, or whatever, yeah, or who can get the best soundbite for Fox News. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a governing party. It hasn't been for like a decade.
0: It's great. It's, it's, it's just, I mean, I was, you're basically repeating what I was, and I, you know, I, I'm glad we're both on the same page as far as this goes. I, I, I how, how is it that the Republicans cannot see this, A, see it? And B, not recognize that this is a frightening path to be going down when you are the governing party within the House of Representatives. Uh, it, to me, this would this would scare the hell out of me if I was anything less than a lunatic, you know, a Marjorie Taylor Greene Republican in the House of Representatives. I'd be scared to death watching this this dynamic play out. I gather no one is. Uh, all that frightened or maybe they
1: are that's only if you had any policies and cared about winning in power in a fair way and didn't care about like democracy but they don't care
0: it's a scare does this and I'm, i'm on a personal level does this scare you I mean, does it does, yes. it, does it, it concerns the hell out of me. I mean, I, I was saying it's, this earlier. It is
1: a problem that one of the two parties does not live in reality or have any any idea of how to govern in a way that's effective for the people. Like the Democratic Party is a perfect thing, lots of problems. Yeah. But at least they tend to govern and at least they try to make things a little better. They do it poorly in some ways, but they're at least trying to. There is no policy. It's grievance, politics, and Looney Tunes land.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: I mean, the problem is they're effective at bullying people into doing bad things. Um they've essentially they've won on COVID. The anti vaxxers, the anti COVID people won on COVID. They're ending the emergency uh declaration on it, even though we lost like thirty nine hundred people this month, um because we it's acceptable and look and the question is okay you you say it's like the flu that's not true what level of death is an acceptable amount for covid for you to think it's a problem and as of right now the answer has not been found it yeah. topped it somewhere around 30 3100 to 3500 deaths a day yeah and we do not know what the upper limit of it is because it's like the gun violence thing they don't actually care um it's it's just, they're going to keep, if, if anything is at all positive, they're going to be against it. It's why they got mad at, uh, gas stoves. It's why they got mad at the M&Ms. It's why they get mad. It can help, uh, make someone's life a little bit better. They get mad at it and they, they just, suddenly, they're like literally dealing with a small child.
0: Yeah, it's, it's like, it's like I have to be, I, if I don't hear my own voice bitching and moaning and screaming and crying, then I'm doing, then I'm not really having fun. No, that can't be right. Um, but maybe they are, in a sick way, the, the, the most extreme in the Republican Party. This is actually nothing but a childish uh, – it, it's a tantrum. It's, it's a perpetual tantrum, and somehow it's being facilitated and reinforced by a total lack of leadership within the conference and a total, uh, just a total losing of their way. And there seems to be no one out there, no adults that can pull it out. To the exact opposite, there's Donald Trump, and everybody's just reflecting off of him. So it leaves it to to us and people with the D in front of their name, and wherever you are in the spectrum, to somehow be the adults in the room. Because if we start acting like them, then then the markets will tank, and and we basically will lose full faith and credit in this country. I I don't know. I I I just. Uh, I, I would I would like to be able to say that well here's the strategy I see, you know, emerging within the Republican caucus in the House or anywhere. Can you see any strategy emerging out of in, in a best case scenario?
1: No, no, they, they don't because they yeah. don't. That would require having goals, and their goals are just grievances.
0: Yeah, you know, they're
1: they're mad at Biden, so they're gonna do go after a hundred they're mad at google or twitter for for uh something or other Newsbacks got dropped by by oh by uh at&t or, or or whoever dropped them and they want to force them to 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 retake them even though it was like a money dispute and that's how capitalism works like it's it's just Whatever thing is animating their, their craziest and loudest support, like the the trans thing, they're, they're worried about trans women in, in prisons and trans women in, uh, trans kids in schools. There's like a dozen trans athletes and there's like 12 trans prisoners yeah, like, yeah. in the country. Like, yeah. They're trying to, they're, they're and they're just like, you know what? We don't want any of them to exist at all. That's what Donald Trump came out and said. He's like, yeah, I'm going to ban all forms of... Uh, Transitioning healthcare. Okay. Then you're just just saying you want to genocide. That's that's it.
0: It's, um, I I wish there were, you know, one thing that I enjoy doing with center-left rating, especially with you, is basically, you know, getting into the mindset of the opposition and adjusting strategy on our side. How do we react to this? But when when one side is being utterly irrational, how do how do Democrats and progressives and liberals what what is the what is the preferred or the or the appropriate, if if that's the right word, strategy that needs to be adapted to deal with a with a with a mindset or a, a mindlessness set like we're confronting in the Republicans, especially in the House? What do Democrats do? But you point it out, you,
1: you you make it known, you give them a solution, and then when you actually have power, you implement those popular solutions. Just talking out about uh, pointing at the other person, saying they're crazy, they're crazy, vote for me, and then don't do anything,
0: doesn't help. No, no, of course not. You have to, that's what solutions are necessary, and this is like go ahead, yeah. Like go on.
1: they had a they had a um a resolution saying socialism bad. And they would back to Waters was um, uh, being talked to about it, or she was she was testifying or something. And they would ask her questions. One of the reps was asked her questions about like um, uh, China and Russia and a whole bunch of these other uh, totalitarian countries, which aren't socialist. They're all hard right countries, um, and her response, he said, he fell in love with them. Like it's it's a clown show. And it's good to know that they're we're now over a month, almost, a, no, today's a month since they've been sworn in. Um, next week will be technically a month since they've been able to govern because they had to take the week to vote to for Kevin McCarthy. And they've done gobbledygook yeah. about solving any of the problems.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, if the, if the goal is to basically um, trash the Libs, and mostly trash talk, uh, and 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 constantly threaten the most extreme actions against the most vulnerable people in the country, well then the Republicans in the House are off to a s- slam-dunk uh, start uh, in their what one can only hope is a brief tenure. Uh, I think that Kevin McCarthy is on track to become one of the shortest sitting uh... speakers in the history of the congress uh... at this point someone is going to object to something and call him out he may begin to cry on the floor or something after that happens then we'll have to go through the hellishness of trying to get another uh, idiot from their conference back in as speaker and with all that we are we're tripping our way towards uh, for the first time in my lifetime, what seems like a very real possibility of a uh, of a default by the United States government in its ability to pay its bills, because because McCarthy and uh, McCarthy and the rest of them, what well, with the deals he made with them, essentially no one on the crazy caucus is going to want to give in on this stuff, and they don't give a damn about the world much less the country and what full faith and credit means about the united states and what that would mean for our ability to function in the world and and it, it, it's it's weird it's just a weird weird situation uh... the point i made earlier is that if it becomes apparent that we might actually be heading towards uh, an inability to pay our bills. What this could begin doing to the market, what people could start doing with their 401ks, basically turning everything into cash and and just you know, blanketly getting the hell out of the market. Uh, I don't want to think about this. I really don't. I can only hope, and it's the word that I use. It's at the beginning of the show here. It's where we Central Left Radio is the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. That that some kind of rationality somehow finds its way into the Republican caucus right now that some adults somehow emerge although they don't seem to be apparent right now but as I say we can we can hope and I think your your thought on this David that the that the Democrats or all those within the Democratic spectrum must keep coming up with solutions and elucidating those solutions and letting people know that when we're in power again, these solutions will be moved forward. I I agree with you, that's probably the only way we can possibly uh, sustain during this time. And my gut though is that this is only after one month, it's gonna get a lot worse before it gets better. And uh, a lot worse means we're gonna come a lot closer to default uh, before anything, of, of positive consequence might happen with these people because they're just too damn crazy. And of course, there's always the crazy Donald, uh, the, the crazy card with Donald and everything else and how people will react. But on 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 that rather positive note, um, where else can people hear you?
1: At uh, Faces Ideas, do on Twitter.
0: Okay, okay. And you're back on there on a fairly regular basis now? You're... Uh, yeah, no, I'm back on there. yeah, great. I'm, I'm and, okay. okay, that's great. Uh, David, thank you so much. Uh, I this is perhaps one of our less strategic uh, discussions. It's been kind of an expose. it's uh, things are are rough uh, on a political uh, on a political level within the republican party. and and you've got to get a few grown-ups in the room to sort of deal with stuff. and hopefully,, uh, that will begin to happen in the not too far distant future because we can't afford to have it not happen. Uh, thank you once again for being with us, David. And I, uh, and I uh, invite everyone uh, to uh, write in to us and let us know your thoughts on this. Uh, meanwhile, uh, try to just sort of, I suppose, Relax and enjoy. Will be a very cold weekend here in the New York area, and a good way to uh, to warm things up, as always, is with a little jazz. <laughs> You've been listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. When the entire governing philosophy of a party is stick it to the other side. Stick it to the libs when there is no agenda, when there are no plans, when there is no ability to even structure a budget. Simply because all that matters is the social media value of sticking it to the other side, we've got a problem, and we've got to get through this somehow.